This is Steve Clark, President and CEO of the Massachusetts Restaurant Association. I'm here with VP of Operations, Kerry Miller, and you're listening to the MRA Podcast, Together We Win, where we give you bites of information in podcast form. All right, it is the March episode of Together We Win. Kerry, it's the spring in Boston. People are happy. What's going on? Well, it wasn't exactly the ski season that I wanted, but, you know, mild winter coming into even, a, you know, the beginning of a milder spring, I think for restaurants, I think this is the awesome part of the year, right? People start opening up their outdoor patios more. We got more moving around, see, uh, you know, the, 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 shorts, the short sleeves coming out, some shorts, uh, and all things that head into the spring. Did you have a few Guinnesses on St. Patrick's Day? I did. You know, I'm not a Guinness guy. I, I did the... Uh, I went with the IPA uh, route, Steve, although uh, my Irish heritage would say it should have been a Harper again. That's true. That's true. Uh, special guest today, again, two episodes in a row, JP Fiella, Image Unlimited. Hello, hello, hello. JP, you've becoming a frequent guest on the podcast. It, it's because of the pay. Are you trying to Are you trying to negotiate your way in to being the third man in? Yeah, well, if it works, um, whatever it takes, uh, I think I have to get my ideas and creativity and I have to just get, you can't see me right now. We need to get this out there. We right? do need to, well, this is out there. So we need to, I, just, need, I need to do something. I just right. want to say we worked with Paul English last year and it's not actually JP, it's AI. That's right. That's right. I'm completely computer generated. <laughs> uh, a lot going on at the MRA. Uh, we just finished Pro Start down at Gillette Stadium. An unbelievable experience for our kids. Now, over 60 judges in this year. I mean, the support, the support that Jen Almeida gets for this program is just fantastic. I mean, the, the venue couldn't be better. It's uh, great to be there, and it's great to see the teams. Uh, but more importantly, I think it's just the support from the industry, right? I mean, the, the who's who of chefs are down there doing their culinary judging and management judging uh, it's a pretty impressive day for sure. For those of you that don't know, ProStart is our school to career program uh, in, in the high schools. And every year we invite uh, culinary teams and management teams to compete in a statewide competition. And the winners are awarded scholarships. And uh, we actually send the winner of both the management competition and the culinary competition to Washington, D.C. to compete in the national championship where they get even more scholarships or the opportunity to win even more scholarships. And this year we had a very creative cake decorating competition. So really exciting day down in Gillette. Keeps getting better every year. Carrie, mm -hmm. you uh, got the clock counting down, the food show coming up at us. Yeah, you know what? No time like this year for people to get out and spend three days re-engaging, right? We've been on lockdown for a couple of years. It's good to see the, uh, the familiar faces again. But more importantly, you know, learning about the next evolution of what restaurants and hospitality are all about. I mean, we've got a great uh, level of programming at the headquarters and in center stage to talk about the things that you know, restaurateurs right now should be thinking about. We have a great night Sunday night. BMI recording artist Dwayne. Haggins joining us for the post party. So please join us for that. We have a big day on Sunday, big day on Monday and a big day on Tuesday. Incredible culinary demonstrations, just really cool stuff that you can come and check out and reconnect with operators that you haven't been able to see, reconnect with business partners. So much is done online now and done electronically. There's very rare opportunities we can get out and actually press the flesh with people in the industry. Yeah. And a couple of the couple really cool local celebrity chefs. I mean, getting Ming in, I think Ming's got the longest running TV show on public TV. That's crazy. And, 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 uh, you know, Tiffany. I mean, she's all over the place. Yeah, she's yeah. just all over the place, and she's just a rock star. And, and having the ability to bring those folks on and 
having a little color education on the center stage is, is a pretty cool thing. It'd be awesome. JP, you, um, you like to rub elbows with celebrities. Uh, That's what I do. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Boston influence on the celebrity chef market. It seems that, you know, Boston is just a breeding ground for chefs that make it nationally, whether it's Ming, whether it's Tiffany, whether it's Andy, you know, a number of chefs that have just been really, really successful that come from Boston. What is it about Boston that, that drives that uh, national appeal? Um, I mean, I think number one, like we want to be seen like as, as a, um, restaurant industry, as culinarians, I think we really want to be seen. I think in New York and LA and Miami, sometimes, um, they get the spotlight sh shown on them more. And I feel like in Boston, we're working that much harder. Um, and I also think we want to have the opportunity to get out of here because it's cold. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair. can we open up another restaurant in LA? Can yeah. we get out of here? Get, can we go out there and shoot some shows? But no, I think, um, I think that's it. I think that there's, I think that we've always had something to prove here in Boston. It's a bit just of a chip the on our shoulder, right? I think it's in the DNA. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. A lot of creativity here as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, we've even in the educational aspects of it, we've got two top chef level folks that are, that are going to be joining us too. I mean, Carl, chef Carl Dooley. That's right. He was at, uh, he was at DC recently. Yeah. Was he? So the, I want to misquote this, but I think it's like the James Beard Culinary Task Force. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not on Instagram last night, doing some great stuff. Right, and Karen Akunowitz is going to be joining us at, uh, in, in one of the panels. Just incredible talent uh, throughout the industry, and we're lucky to have them as partners and, and, and working forward. Kerry, uh, what do we have coming up on the podcast today? You know what? Today we've got a couple of uh, great folks uh, uh, that are, are, you know, kind of in their industries, um, leaders. I mean, for back of a letter thing, Nicole Oliver is from uh, Martinetti Liquors and she's uh, vice president uh, of off-premise sales. I think I might be misquoting there, but she's, she's one of the key players at Martinetti and she's been instrumental in doing things like uh, helping us put together the women hospitality conference. Uh, she was at the restaurant uh, operators leadership conference and uh, she's going to be front and center at the New England food show. She'll be on center stage for a panel and, uh, and Martinetti's got a huge footprint on the floor where they'll be doing a lot of education on what your, what your beverage program should look like. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, we go into, we go into tech really hard and heavy. We've got Paul English from Deets, but originally from kayak and Paul's going to talk about, you know, his new um, program where he goes for, it goes into um, restaurant reviews from, from a Facebook level friend level, friendlier level restaurant review cycle. So, and it's a fascinating uh, transition into AI and technology. I'm excited to talk to him. It's a really, really, really knowledgeable on, on so many things. And on a personal level, he is from West Roxbury. He did attend Boston Latin. So we share that we in get common. It. We so, get it. you know, same track. Two absolutely. Guys, same just, track. Just two guys <laughs> from West Roxbury. Uh, anyway. All right, let's get on with the program. Up next on the Together We Win podcast is Nicole Olivier, the Vice President of Sales of the Excel Division of Martinetti Liquors. All right, up next is Nicole Olivier. She is the Vice President of Sales of the Excel Division at Martinetti. Nicole, thank you for coming on the MRA podcast, Together We Win. What's going on? Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. We're so excited to have our conversation. Yes. So let's get right into it. Uh, we're, we're a recovering industry. We're on the mend. It seems that people are out and about. They want to spend money. They're back in restaurants. They missed going out. What are you seeing from your end? Is, is that what you're seeing as well? Uh, talk about the recovery uh, from your perspective. 
Yeah. So I, you know, it's been really great to see, um, you know, people just getting out into their restaurants more than ever. I think, I think the ripple effect from the pandemic is, is still being felt, but you could clearly tell people wanted to get out into the restaurants. Um, you know, initially consumption went to retail. Um, and from a, from a spirit perspective, what we found was that a lot of people were um, learning how to make cocktails, right? They were learning how to make cocktails. There was a lot of discovery online. And then when re- restaurants reopened, um, you know, there was a lot going on for restaurants. Um, I don't want to speak directly for restaurants, but a lot, a lot of them had to, you know, start over, you know, whether it was staff or renovations, some places even relocated. Um, I think the most important thing was to get open. Um, but now we're starting to see restaurants really get more, um, you know, comfortable getting staff that's staying and, and, um, you know, their beverage programs are really improving and it's, it's, it's really, really nice to see. Yeah. One of the things that you guys probably do best in class is de- developing bar menus for folks. I know that you heavily involved with folks like the 110 grill and things along those lines. Did you see a shift in the demand? Cause I basically we all drank at home for like two years. Right. And, <laughs> and, and we probably not the most creative, but did you see a shift in demand when people are coming out and it's like a celebration now everybody wants to be out and, and uh, enjoying themselves? We did. We did. And we see, so at Martinetti, we have this beautiful training facility um, and we do like to um, bring our customers down and, and talk to them about their beverage program, um, work and develop their beverage program with them. Um, we did have quite a few that we did, you know, virtually um, during the, you know, during the pandemic. Um, but now we're seeing a lot of people come down. Um, which is, which is incredible. Um, and really the, the beverage programs, people are getting deeper into their beverage programs. It's such a great revenue resource for them. And, you know, we really want to help facilitate them in any way, any way that we can. Um, so that's been, you know, been keeping us quite busy, which, which is nice. So talk to us about the evolution of, of cocktail choices in Massachusetts. You know, when it gets cold out, people want to have more bourbons. When it, when, when it starts to get warmer, people start, you know, moving toward, you know, a lighter cocktail or maybe it's a seltzer or, you know, talk to us from your perspective of how you prepare for those different type of uh, cocktail evolutions that happen with, with seasonal changes in Massachusetts with so many diverse constituents and restaurants that you're serving. You know, how do you go about preparing for that? So, you know, there's definitely seasonality in, in cocktails and menus. And we, we often recommend that restaurants, you know, change their menu, you know, three to four times a year if, if they're capable of doing that. Um, but from an overall menu perspective, what we see is that um, consumers, they really, they really drink based on occasion, right? Um, you know, vodka drinkers, will drink vodka, but they can jump over to seltzers, you know, bourbon drinkers can drink, you know, gin and rum. And, and, and it's really just about um, the occasion. And you have such a great opportunity as a restaurant to guide people into different experiences. I think consumers are, are looking for that. Um, you know, one thing that was a surprise to us was in October, November, and December, we felt like, you know, the, the seltzer craze would slow down. Um, and it actually didn't, um, it didn't at all. Um, people were still drinking, you know, RTDs, 
um, which just means that, you know, consumers are, they, it's, it's just all about, you know, what they're feeling and, and what's convenient to them. And, um, you know, so it's really unique. The bourbons, you know, bourbons, we, you should always have a bourbon on your menu. You should always have a vodka drink on your menu, um, a rum drink on your menu. Um, I think diversity in menu is, is, is key. Um, so yes, there's seasonality, but, um, you know, you always want to have a nice diverse menu. I think it's generational too, Nicole. I think that, you know, I've got a couple, you know, new drinkers to the, to the, uh, one legal, one not. Um, <laughs> so that means you have one drinker, Carrie. Well, <laughs> he's in college, Steve. <laughs> We've been there. What is she drinking? What she, is she liking these days? It's interesting. She's evolving. I mean, she's, she started off with the seltzers. Like I think every young person does, right. Cause it's, it kind of fits their, their uh, lifestyle. Um, but she's working her way into mixed drinks now. And then, uh, I yeah. think yeah, I think the entry for the next gens is seltzers, and then they evolve from there. I don't know what you guys are seeing. Yeah, and they but they explore. They go to different different categories, you know. Um, and there's a lot of brands that are coming out that are um, kind of allowing people to enter categories, right? So, like you know, a mezcal, for example, you're we're seeing growth in the mezcal category. But for some people, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit too much for them. So, we, they, you know, there's different brands that where you can kind of enter into the category, um, American whiskey, you know, bourbon. Um, there's just a lot of different avenues of which people are exploring, you know, from a cocktail perspective. We see a lot of people, you know, influenced by TikTok and the different social media aspects out there. Are you seeing that? trickling up with something that might trend on TikTok as all of a sudden becomes in high demand? Is that influencing, you know, at your level or is that something that, you know, maybe the restaurateur is seeing it and, and they're making the ask or is it not influencing it at all? You know, there's a, there's a certain segment of the population that doesn't even know what TikTok is and there's other people that can't get off it because they're on it, you know, 12 hours a day. So how does modern social media and trends influence what you're driving and how you interact with restaurants? Well, I'll tell you, we're learning a lot um, <laughs> about the influence of TikTok and social media. Um, it can change trends quickly, as you see. You know, um, I do think it has a great impact on future, the future generation of drinkers, for sure. Um, you hear a lot of people talking about influencers and, you know, people are so in tune to their phones. People are looking at their phones all the time and looking at what's, what's happening next, you know? Um, so I do think that um, that's really something I have to pay close attention to. Um, I also think, you know, social media as a whole, you know, if you ever come in for a bar consult, um, Troy Clark, who's our director of spirits education, you know, he'll tell you, you know, take pictures of your cocktails, take pictures, as you're developing, you know, what your beverage program is about, because, you know, social media is free and consumers are, are, are looking and they're, and they want to see what's going on. Um, they're looking for experiences. They're looking for what's new and what's different. And um, I think there's a huge play in technology um, and in what trajectory a brand will go. Um, we've seen a lot of celebrity brands, you know, take off. Um, but just as a celebrity brand can help you, it also can hurt you, <laughs> you know, if a celebrity does something wrong. So, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's very hard to navigate, um, but it's something that you have to, you know, pay attention to 
We have such an advantage. We have such an advantage in our industry that we're probably one of the very few industries that as soon as the product is served, rather than consuming it, we take out our phones and we take pictures of it because we want to share with other people the the beautiful cocktail that's been prepared or, or the meal that's been prepared. So it's a total social media advantage that we have on other industries. You talked Absolutely. about building we, a, oh, okay. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, we, we had, um, we'd worked on a program with one customer and they built their, they took a video and they built their cocktail, um, online. And I think it was a month and a half later, the owner called us and said, you know, people are coming in and asking for that cocktail. It's our number one selling cocktail. Um, so, you know, to, to drive, uh, people to your location because, of a specific cocktail is, is, is really interesting. We didn't have that before. Um, and so that's, you know, you get the right bartender, um, who has, you know, a certain amount of followers, or if you have followers on your, on your own Instagram page or Facebook page, um, you know, you can, you can actually drive people to your, to your restaurant for a specific drink. It's really, it's really kind of neat. You know, tech, social media is definitely something everybody should be paying attention to, especially in the restaurant and hospitality industry, right? I think, but there are other things, other pain points that we're f- fighting uh, across the board, staffing, um, supply chain, right. commodities, and technology plays into that too. What do you, what, what's Martinetti doing? If I, if I was a restaurant tour sitting on the sidelines, right? And I knew that uh, I was going to eat eight hours up to doing a liquor order and uh, doing pars and stuff like that on the back end. I think there's some stuff going on as far as technologies there, isn't there? Um, what, so what are we doing in, what are we doing in regards to, um, technology or? Yeah, Nicole. I mean, I think you, the, the old school was a guy came in the back door with an order, order book from Martinetti, right? And, oh, right. And, right, right. and they, they take the order and they talk to them about what the ongoing promotions are and what the, how the restaurateur could leverage the relationship. But we're moving, we're moving that into a more digital age, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's um, a lot of work being done. We have some surprises. We're we're, um, we're working on a lot behind the scenes, um, but we understand that we, you know, that just the ease. We need to make things easier um, for our customers. You know, um, to be able to order, to be able to discover our brands um, from an educational, um, you know, perspective. We, you know, we have a pretty strong social media ourselves. We're building. Um, a platform right now, which you'll learn more about um, in the in the near future. Um, but there's constant investment, you know, in um, moving towards the future and making things, you know, easy, easier for our customers. Um, so. You guys have always been on the cutting edge, wherever it may be. I mean, and I don't want to look in the rearview mirror, but in the pandemic, you were first. You guys were first forward to uh, help provide assistance and employees. And now coming out of it, we're looking forward. And I know that uh, heading into the New England food show, you get a couple of things going on and you guys are going to be on the, on the floor showcasing the things that you were just talking about, right? How do you make yourself a better restaurant tour through the liquor piece? But also you've got a, you're on a panel discussion uh, talking about what's going on in, in, in the liquor industry. So thank you for that. And what are some of the, what are some of the things we should be thinking looking for when, when we go to the New England food show on April 2nd through 4th? Yeah, so we have so we have a lot. Um, we're you know we've had a couple years of um, introducing brands that you know quite frankly our our restaurateurs weren't ready to see right when 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 our, when restaurants were opening up 
um, there was a lot to think about. There was staffing, you know, there was, you know, just under, you know, we had items that were out of stock. There were price increases, just so much going on. Um, now we're starting to see restaurants more interested in innovation, what's coming um, from a brand perspective, as well as a resource and tools perspective. So we do have a surprise, which you'll have to come to the food show to see. Um, but we're we're going to be launching a, a pretty unique platform um, that I'm not sure I'm supposed to talk about yet, <laughs> but um, you guys will get to see that when you come down to the food show. You heard it here um, first. A bunch of people. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get there. You got to get there to heard see it. it here but, um, first. There's new stuff coming. I'm sorry. Yeah, and no, that's okay. And we're and you know we'll also be talking about our our training facility. Um, we have we've invested quite a bit in um, some really talented people. We have an incredible fine wine um, team. You guys all know Troy Clark. Um, we have Brad Fichter, who's a director of wine education. Um, so we'll all be there. Um, just really trying to articulate, um, you know, just the different types of things that we can do moving forward um, to just be better partners overall. Yeah, if you've never yeah. been to the Martinetti facility and, and checked it out, I mean, you're missing something. And I know that you guys have it opened up to any, anybody that sells liquor in the state of Massachusetts to do training and education down there. So that's an opportunity for folks yes, to yeah. reach out. Yeah, that's a question I actually had. because JP like out of nowhere. Oh, hey, sorry. Wow, well, JP so was, is with us. Oh, where'd he come from? JP! Nike- Hey, sorry. <laughs> sorry, the NyQuil is just wearing off. I, um, <laughs> that wasn't NyQuil. <laughs> a question I have actually, we obviously open a lot of restaurants with our clients um, and we're actually third partying out sometimes bar program construction. So this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So restaurateurs are the primary listener of this podcast. So even a mom and pop can come to you and you can help them build out their complete program if they kind of give you the crux of their vibe. Is that right? Yeah, so we have a um, we have a survey that we do. We just ask questions because we try to be as prepared as possible. Um, but they'll work through their sales rep. We we schedule times um, in our building, and we really try to um, you know just dedicate to uh, you know just the content to what um, the, your needs are. You know, so if uh, if if a customer is is struggling with getting um, product out quick enough. You know, we can um, teach about batching and, um, you know, different things like that um, so that we can help them, you know, solve some of their problems. If they're, you know, we can look at a menu and say, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you have, you know, 30 drinks and you really should focus on maybe 15 drinks. Um, We're also seeing a trend. One thing I didn't talk about earlier was, you know, um, low and no. Um, so, um, which it's is a big alcohol, trend, right? right? So a big trend. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's growing and it's, 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 it's being able to service any consumer that comes in, right. We want everybody to have, um, a great experience and, and with the wellness and health, you know, some people just want to have a low alcohol drink and to enjoy that with their friends. So, um, you know, the other thing that we're finding too, is that there's over, there's actually over 1,500 restaurants in Massachusetts that don't have a menu. And we want to help educate why having a menu can help you. Um, so, yeah, we would, we would love to talk to, you know, anybody we can and help in any service in any way that we can um, to help their businesses. That's awesome. So, all right. So every guest that comes on the podcast is put on the hot seat with the Sprague Energy Lightning Round. 
We're going to fire some rapid questions at you, and you have to give us the answers, okay? Oh, goodness. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I will give you the disclaimer. Some people have sworn when they've heard these questions, so we had to change our rating on the podcast. Ready? Oh, no. Okay. S Seinfeld, Modern Family, or The Office? Oh, The Office. It's Saturday. There's nothing on the schedule. What are we going to find you doing? Going for a walk on the beach. Okay. Uh, this question, uh, the answer has evolved over the years. Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Ooh. Ooh. I guess Tom Brady. Okay. As longtime listeners... That's a tough of the, one. That is a tough one. As, as longtime <laughs> listeners of the podcast know... We don't have favorite restaurants on the podcast. But what's your favorite type of restaurant? Oh, my favorite type of restaurant. I enjoy sharing meals with the people that I'm with. So I kind of like that tapas style restaurant. Okay. Okay. I like to try a bunch of different things. I like to try everything. Especially a place my where... My bills the, tend to be high. With, with an, with, which is a with, good thing. With an expansive <laughs> cocktail list as well, right? Yes, yes, Absolutely. <laughs> What is the last concert you attended or what is the next concert you will be going to? Oh gosh. The last concert I attended. Um, goodness. I don't know. What was the last concert I attended? <laughs> Who are you asking? Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars was the last Bruno one. Mars. Who's I there know. with you? <laughs> How did I forget that? <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a good question for you. Beer, wine, whiskey, or something mixed? Um, something mixed. Okay. Ma Massachusetts dessert question. A fribble, a Twinkie, a table talk pie, or a fluffernutter? A fluffernutter. Was that a question? Like, you yeah, don't know what a flexion was. No, like no, that no. <laughs> That's my final answer. Okay, fluffing on a final answer. All right, final question. Team from Boston most likely to be in a duck boat parade celebrating a championship. Who's the most next most next most likely team? I think it's going to be the Bruins. The Bruins. Okay. She is Nicole Olivier, the vice president of sales at the Excel division for Martin Yeti. Come to the New England Food Show April 2nd and see what she has in store with her surprise that she... Let Leak. us have. Yeah, she, 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 she leaked out. That she leaked out. Her new album <laughs> drop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, real, real quick. Uh, not, not shocking, but our friends at Martinetti always support the, what we've got going on. Nicole is actually in Aruba on a break right now. And we, when we asked to, for her to join us, her first word was yes. We were a bunch of other people to say, hey, look, at, I'm, I'm, I'm unplugging. So, Nicole, thank you for, for taking some time out of your break. Oh, my pleasure. Nicole, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Come to the food show, everyone. We look forward to seeing you. Awesome. Have a great day, guys. Up next on the MRA Together We Win podcast, we are joined by Paul English. Paul is the founder and chief technology officer of Dietz. Of course, he has an extensive resume that we'll get into afterwards. But for the purposes of introductions, Paul, thanks for coming on the MRA podcast. 
It's great to be uh, talking to you guys today. Thank you. No, we're excited. Yeah, you've you've had an unbelievable career. You're all over the place. Where are you right now? What what city are you calling in from? It's <laughs> a good question because I travel a lot. Um, I was in L.A. last weekend for the Grammys, which was incredibly fun. And right now I'm in San Francisco, but I'll be back in Boston tomorrow. So you heading? Are you heading north into wine country, Paul? That you're in San Francisco? No, just have some VC meetings here in San Francisco. Awesome, awesome. How was the Grammys? It was incredibly fun. One of my friends, Panos Panay, who was a professor at Berkeley and also a successful entrepreneur, took a job with the Recording Academy a couple of years ago, and he basically runs the Grammys. So I got an invite last year when it was in Vegas, and this year again in LA, and it was incredibly fun. Hopefully you had more fun than Ben Affleck. He became a meme uh, when, he was getting, was when he was getting disciplined, when he was getting disciplined by J-Lo uh, for not sitting okay. up straight and, you know, not wanting. He, he may be thinking round two. Yeah, that was hilarious. What's the over-under on the marriage? Oh, uh, <laughs> Sports betting is now Yeah, that's true. We, we do have places in Massachusetts that'll take that bet, so... Uh, uh, so let's talk about Dietz a little bit. So, you know, when we first heard about Dietz, it's, uh, you know, the the man who's going to upend Yelp is is the way we've talked about it. And, you, you know, you have a lot of connections in the restaurant industry and a lot of friends that have been successful in the restaurant industry and you wanted to help them. So talk to us about the kind of the idea of Dietz and, and how it came uh, to where it is today. Yeah, the basic thing is like, I love going out to eat. I go out to eat, I would say five nights a week. Um and I am always very grateful for the restaurant owners and the chefs and the waiters and the bus people. Um, just, it seems some, it sounds a ridiculous thing, but it seems amazing to me that when you're hungry, you walk into a building and people like completely take care of you and serve you amazing food and great service and great vibe, great atmosphere. And uh, I just really enjoy it. So I know during the pandemic, a lot of restaurant owners were really struggling and some unfortunately had to close. And so I just thought about, I talked to them a lot about um, kind of the digital side of running a restaurant business because I'm a tech guy. And one of the things that I heard over and over again is that they um, need help getting promotion and knowing more about their loyal customers and helping their loyal customers. And I looked at what's out there, you know, including Yelp, which I'm not a fan of. And I thought that we might be able to do something that's more helpful to restaurant owners and also more helpful to diners in terms of finding out like where their friends are going out, where their friends recommend and what's the hot new place it opened, um, et cetera. So talk about the difference. I mean, uh, it's like Facebook and, you know, Facebook and Instagram, uh, Instagram. Thanks, Steve. Uh, had a baby, and 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 it, it gives the opportunity for for you know the folks that are in your network to talk about the restaurants they like and what happens there. Yeah, the basic idea is um, if you go on other review sites, the reviews by like anonymous, creepy strangers. You know, <laughs> I imagine people in their mom's basement behind the keyboard <laughs> typing nasty stuff as people do online when they're anonymous. And what we're doing it. Deets is very different. Instead of getting a review, like for example, I was out in New York recently and I was looking for a sushi restaurant and there's this one place that was five-star rated on another site and it was five-star rated and I read the reviews and they said, this is great, it's $10 a person for sushi. And I'm thinking, 
terrifying. You, I'm not terrifying. sure I want to go out in New York for ten dollars a person sushi. I don't know where they bought that fish or how old it is. Right. Um, and I'm just wondering who are these people writing these reviews? That you know, it just it, people have different styles and they have different occasions. You know, they want to go out for. And so what I thought is rather than trusting anonymous strangers. Just see where your friends are hanging out. And also, if there are foodies you like, I mean, social media is really big. The influencer market, as you guys know, has been big. It's been influencing people. If there are local foodies you like, see, watch what they're doing online and see what restaurants they're going to. So it's a machine learning app that looks at your history on the app, looks at as much data as we can possibly gather about every restaurant, about the menus. And we try to predict where you want to go next based on your friends based on the people you follow and based on your past use with the app. So Paul, um, in, in my job, I actually travel a lot as well to different cities for food research. And I'm actually shocked um, because you're right. Like we'll look at influencers in market. You look at the listicles, um, essential 38 from eater. Does this kind of also work as a funnel? Um, if someone's going to like say Boston for the first time and they really want to be like, these are the six restaurants I need to hit. Is it also serve that purpose? It is. And I like the, you use the term listicles, which I always find a hilarious term. I do like lists like that. One of the things we're doing with Deets is because we're so much focused on your friends and people you follow, is we're giving each person on Deets their own profile. And you can have kind of like your city guide. One of my favorite features on Deets is just by using the app and marking like where you like and writing some reviews, uploading some photos, we automatically create a city guide for you. So, for example, my city guide is deets.com slash at Paul. And you'll see right now we're just live in Boston and New York. So you'll see restaurants that I go to in both of those cities. And the nice thing about it is, so I grew up in Boston. I know the scene in Boston. If people are visiting Boston for the first time and they say, where should we hang out? Rather than me going back and try to find some old emails or Google documents, I just show them my Deets profile, which if they're sitting next to me, I can just show them my Deets QR. They can scan or uh, I can text it to them or whatever. And then from that profile, they get kind of my guide to the city. Right now it's for dining. Um, this summer we're gonna be adding events and hotels as well. And so it allows each person to have their guide of their favorite places and makes it really easy to share that guide with their friends. The sharing part is what's so cool because um, I was just going to Austin, for example, for research and I reached out to the editor of Eater there and there's this kind of like sigh of like, okay, I can put a list together for you or you can kind of look at my Instagram. Um, and this actually alleviates all of that. Like, here's my QR code or let me forward this to you. And that's my city list. That sounds so cool. Now, does it have to be restricted to uh, to who you're friends with within the app? Or could, could you search a broader audience of people of a similar age or similar occupation, et cetera? You know, what is the different uh, sourcing value of, of friends of who you're getting information from? So we're not grabbing demographic data yet. We're thinking about at some point asking people that to say, if you want to um, find restaurants, people that are similar to, you can tell us if you're a college student or if you're someone that's you know older with kids, you might like a quieter restaurant versus a college kid who wants a place that's really loud. Um, at some point we might ask that, but what we're doing now is the machine learning looks at the places you like and you hang out, where your friends like and hang out. And we start picking up attributes. We have, I think, 38 key indicators of each restaurant that we've developed by, by scouring literally millions of documents and images. 
uh, across multiple sites. And we're noticing, you don't have to tell us that you like, let's say, romantic restaurants. We can figure that out. And then we can find other people who like the same style of restaurants as you. The nice thing about that is if you're seen as in Boston and you don't go out much in New York, the next time you're in New York and you use Deets, we'll say, well, these other people like the same restaurants as you in Boston. And when they go out in New York, here's where they go. Oh, so it awesome. allows you to get sort of a AI-driven guide based on you and people and your friends and people similar to you. Yeah, Paul, I, I, it's great on the customer to customer end, right? But uh, if I'm a restaurant tour listening to to this, you know, why why would Deets be important to me? I just saw the data profiles that you are pushing through for people that are that, are, that have I don't know 20 reviews or more, right? And I think what's lacking on those independent restaurant operators, they don't have the access to black box intelligence that the corporate level folks have. And I think Deets is going to provide a real key um, trend uh, uh, in data base for the restaurant tour to look at, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <clears throat> so um, this is in rollout currently in Boston. Is that correct? Right now, it's just Boston and New York. Boston, New York. And how... How are folks um, finding out about it? They're finding out through their friends. We haven't done any advertising yet at all. We're still perfecting the app. Um, this is going to sound funny, but I used the app last weekend. I was out with some friends trying to decide where to go. And I'm, so my career, I'm an engineer by training, but my career is really product and design. And I'm very, very picky. And just in using it for, half an hour with friends trying to figure out where to go out to eat. I found 23 things. This is going to sound really funny, but I found 23 things I hate about Deets. <laughs> so I wrote up a Google doc. Awesome. I wrote a Google document to my team and I fired it off and said, we got to change all 23 of these things. And I do that about once a week. My, my, uh, my colleagues cringe on the weekends because on the weekends is like really where I want to go out and have a good time. And they know you know, they're going to get, when they get emails from the weekends, it's going to be a list of everything I don't like about the app. I'm very familiar the with news, the weekend emails. <laughs> yeah, the good news, the good news is though, we release a new version of the app almost every week and it's getting better week by week. So I'm proud of the app as it is today, but a week from now, it's going to be much better. A month from now, it's going to be dramatically better. And um, I'm just, I love the team and I'm having a blast working on it. That's awesome. awesome. So what's the pitch for the restaurant tours? I mean, I'm circling back around because that's what we, that's a, that's what we want to get involved, right? I mean, we want, the, we want people to be promoting for their restaurants to be on the Deets platform. Yeah, there's two, there's two things about it that benefit restaurants that we're working on right now. One is your favorite customers, like your loyal customers that you see all the time and who tip well and they're good to your staff. They're going to bring their friends because if they write a review on Deets, all their friends are going to see they go to your restaurant. And so it's a way to use your best customers as your marketers by using Deets. The second thing is we're building a console so that as a restaurant owner, you can claim your restaurant on Deets, you log in, and then we give you insights about your diners that we gather both from the use of Deets as well as insights we gather from looking at public reviews and other platforms. And we're trying to, we're talking to some restaurant owners about what they want to know about their diners and what trends they're seeing and even what trends are seeing in their neighborhood with other restaurants and trends are seeing across the city with other similar restaurants. So if you have an Italian restaurant in the North end, you want to know what's happening in other Italian restaurants. We'll show you that. 
we're really trying to create a console where there's one place a restaurant owner can log in and get all the information they need about their diners, about their restaurant, and about similar restaurants in their neighborhood or across the city. Yeah, it's critical data for these for everybody right now, right? Understanding what the what the trends are heading. That's right. One of the big criticisms of the other sites is the the negative review that pops up. And, you know, in order to address it or to filter it out, you have to be an advertising partner, et cetera. What, what, is the operator allowed to interact with a review that, that may not be so positive? Uh, you know, how, how is an operator allowed to address that situation that comes up? Yeah, so two things about that on Deets. One is that if I go to a restaurant and have a really bad experience, but in general, I just personally... I talk to the restaurant owner directly um, while I'm there, or if I don't, if they're too busy, if they're if they're even working while I'm there, if they're not there, if they're too busy, I'll call them the next day and just give them some feedback. Um, I tend to be pretty positive about my restaurant experience because I'm so grateful for the service and the food. But if I do see something that's a little bit off, I will take time to call the restaurant owner and just give them some feedback. Um, usually I'm complimenting their staff, but if something's a little off, I will give them feedback. For the people who want to complain online, there's two things I'll say about Deets. One is if I did write a bad review on Deets, in general, that's visible just to my friends, not to that's the smart. whole internet. Because Deets is very much focused on, it's like where your friends are, where your friends are going out, where your friends recommend. The second thing is we're giving restaurant owners a chance to talk directly with anyone who writes a review. And I know like for each of my companies, and again, I work in the tech industry, but for all of my products, I have always said that an angry customer is just a passionate customer who had a bad experience. And if you can flip the experience, now you have a passionate customer who had a good experience and they'll spread the word. So I know my friends who are restaurant owners, they some of them like talking to people who wrote bad reviews to understand it and then to try to flip them. And um, 100%. people like that, you know, when they get contacted by the restaurant owner. Agreed. So you and I have a lot in common, Paul, except for your obvious intelligence and um, fiscal success. Um, we both <laughs> had the Vic, Vic 20 as our first computer, right? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> right? Um, so as a tech guru, um, what do you see as the next big thing? Is it AI? Like what's going to, what do you think? Just, you know. Expert opinion. JP, it's Deeds. Yeah, it is AI. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the last 50 years of technology, there's really been five significant changes. I mean, going back 50 years ago, 60 years ago, whatever it was, uh, it's just the invention of the transistor, which started the development of computers. Obviously, that's sort of the first big shift. Uh, the second thing, fast forward, was the invention of the internet. The third thing, which came shortly after that, is literally Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who literally single-handedly invented the web. He invented HTML, HTTP, a web browser, web server, and that changed everything. I thought Al Gore Fast. invented the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's that? I thought Al Gore invented the internet. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> so fast forward beyond that, the next thing that dramatically changed in technology is specifically the iPhone and the App Store. We give a phone where any developer can write apps for that phone, which Google then adopted for Android. Uh, and then the next thing is, you know, people, there's a lot of hype last year about Web3, which I think is a bunch of nonsense. Um, 
the real future right now is people are seeing AI and particularly what's called generative AI. Like chat. Where AI can now generate content for you. And right. this will change everything. It's going to change the way you see your doctors, the way you use lawyers. Everything is going to be changed by AI. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of talk about chat GBT and everything like that. Do you see like, do you see like AI as being, um, something cause the Joe Rogans of the world are freaking everybody out, obviously, but do you see this as some, just a new tool, new evolution, uh, that we'll fold into the current workflow or should we all just get ready for computers to take over? I mean, AI is going to change everything. I cannot imagine going to a doctor a year from now that does not use AI. And the reason I say that is there are so many medical journals with all these peer-reviewed research articles about advancements in cancer treatment and really any type of medical issue. But most doctors don't have time to read all these research articles. It's just too much stuff. But I think what's going to be happening rapidly, like I would say within a year from now, is every doctor is going to subscribe to an AI service that will look at their caseload, look at all the conditions of their patients, figure out which research journals are relevant to their patients, and send summaries. And we're learning just in the last few months that the generative AI is getting really good at doing technical summaries of longer documents. And so I cannot imagine going to a doctor years from now that's not using AI to advance their learning and their research. And that's just one example. I think every industry where there's Informa digital information is going to change. Yeah, it's actually hit the college front, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're creating programs to tell you whether the, the paper was written by AI or the, the student in and of themselves, right? Yeah, and, you know, some schools are trying to ban AI and saying you can't use ChatGPT or whatever the other AI tools. And I think it's a mistake. It reminds me back, like, when I went to elementary school in the 70s, it's when calculators first came out and schools were banning calculators. And it took, you know, a decade and more until schools realized that, okay, calculators are not going away. We should teach kids how to use them effectively, you know, to do even more advanced math. And I think the same thing is true with AI. I want schools to teach how to use AI to do content, which is what's really has been the hype for the last month or so. You need three things. You need, and I, I will try not to get too technical here, but you need an AI platform, something like ChatGPT. Then you need training data so you can teach the AI how to write like a particular writer or which science articles it needs to learn from. And then the third thing is you have to learn how to prompt the AI, how to ask it questions. And when you tell it, write reviews of my restaurant, and first, you feed it some articles about the other things you've written or your marketing team has written, so it gets a sense of your style. Then it says, write a review of our new menu, and it writes it. And then you say, okay, try to make it more, um, I don't know, tactile or more um, romantic or whatever vibe you're going for, and it'll try again. And you keep trying and trying, and you train the AI until it generates the content you want. So... I think um, AI should be taught in the schools. I'm actually having a conversation right now with, with uh, Linda Henry, Linda and John Henry, who own the Globe. And I've been encouraging them to do an experiment for 10 weeks in the Boston Globe where they pick, they see if they can get 10 journalists to volunteer for this and have one article a week written by AI where a journalist guides the AI and trains it. So it feeds it all their articles so the AI can talk like that journalist. And then the journalist prompts it to write an article. And if the Globe does this, 
they should say, this week's feature is by this journalist who's used AI to write this thing about the Ukraine war or really anything going on, China spy balloons or whatever's going on in the world. And um, they should flaunt it and see how good can it get? And what is the future role of a journalist when AI is going to help with a lot of the work? I don't think journalists will ever go away, but I think the powerful journalists will be the ones that are AI powered. That That's... I mean, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about journalism and where it goes, obviously, as a publicist, um, you know, are we using it to write our boilerplates and is it a tool that actually like streamlines our process? Um, it's fascinating. Thank you for answering that. I think, but I think AI in and of itself is helping with staffing too. I mean, you look at the things that have, I mean, if you go through a drive up window, you're the person that's asking you the questions about what you want on your burger isn't inside the building these days. You know, it's, 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 it's AI driven and a, and a lot of the, yeah, I've, I've wondered about that for years, why they were, used to be in, well, I mean, they're still in most places, they're still inside the building, but it doesn't make sense. They don't, there's no reason to be local. You might as well have a call center where people are like really great at it, at upselling customers, making them happy. And maybe they get rated and maybe they, these people in the call center get rated by what their revenue per hour is. And some are better at upsells, some are more efficient, some are faster, some can make the customers happier. So it sort of professionalizes it, which um, I'm a fan of. Awesome. Wait, this is fascinating. We could do uh, hours on this topic, but uh, you're a busy guy. We're going to get you out of here. We got to hit you with the Sprague Energy Lightning Round. Fast topic questions coming at you. Are you ready? Great. I'm ready. All right. Seinfeld, Modern Family or The Office? <laughs> Modern family. Okay. It's Saturday. You have nothing on the schedule. We're not sure what city you're in, but what are we going to find you doing? Walking. Okay. Exploring. Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? So difficult. (laughs) (laughs) So difficult. Um, Bill Belichick. Okay. Uh, We don't have a favorite restaurant on the MRA podcast, but what is your favorite genre of restaurant? I think, um, you know, I have a a lot of friends who are foodies and they like really exotic stuff. And I do like international food, but I also really like sitting at a bar and having a cheeseburger. Absolutely. Um, I like American restaurants and American bars. Okay. Uh, So this next question, you're not allowed to count the Grammys, but what's the last concert you attended or the next concert you will be attending? Last concert I attended was Peter Wolf at a uh, nonprofit event by Ernie Bach. Um, next concert I will attend. I'm actually thinking of um, going traveling to see Joss Stone the next place she performs. I've seen her twice. She's an incredible British blues singer that I really enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, beer, wine, whiskey, or something mixed? I drink... Hendrix martinis with a twist in the summer and I drink Grey Goose martinis in the winter. Perfect answer. Uh, Massachusetts dessert question. What's your favorite? A fribble, a Twinkie, a table talk pie, or a fluffernutter? (laughs) (laughs) Table talk pie. I thought you would have gone fribble with the friendlies in West Roxbury. (laughs) Uh, I actually love those growing up, but I haven't had those in a long time. (laughs) Last question. We'll get you out on this. Which Boston team is most likely to be next on a duck boat celebrating a championship? 
I think the Celtics. All right, Celtics. They're playing some good basketball. Paul, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. He is Paul English, the founder and chief technology officer of Deets, and a really exciting conversation today. Thank you, Paul. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay, bye now. All right. Yep. You've been listening to Together We Win, the Massachusetts Restaurant Association podcast. Produced by the Massachusetts Restaurant Association in partnership with Image Unlimited Communications and Red 13 Studios. For more information on the Massachusetts Restaurant Association, please visit themassrest.org. Thank you. You've been listening to Together We Win, the MRA podcast. For any information on this podcast or any other episode, visit us at our website, themassrest.org.